0: Are you a business owner worried about the safety of your sensitive data? Look no further than Midwest Data Depot, your local off-site backup storage solution. Contact us today. Call 574-855-8588. Live from our WSBT radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Hey! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. <laughs> Dayo Kumpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame! Plus, fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame! 3.7 Pritchett.
1: It is time once again for Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT on this Tuesday. September the 12th of 2023. It is eight minutes after five o'clock and we greatly appreciate you spending a portion, maybe of your drive home with us here on WSBT Radio as we have two hours of local sports talk ready to go focusing on the Fighting Irish football team that is 3-0 heading into a home date against Central Michigan Saturday, 2.30 kickoff. Here on WSBT Radio. My name is Darren Pritchett, joined by ABC 57's Allison Hayes for the first portion of the program. Good to see you once again. How are you?
2: I'm good. Glad to be back.
1: Great to have you back in the studio to talk some Notre Dame football. And we have to mix in one other non-football related item involving the Irish for a second. Aaron Rodgers made a lot of headlines last night. Fourth play of his New York Jets career. The quarterback went down, and various sources, not confirmed by the Jets yet, but various sources say he, in fact, tore his left Achilles tendon last night when he was sacked. And so after four plays, one pass attempt, and zero completions, Aaron Rodgers is lost for the season. And let's be honest, Aaron Rodgers... Whether you like him or not, it was a major storyline. Rodgers going to the Jets. The Jets fans so excited. They finally had that elusive quarterback they've been looking for. And the look on their faces and the sound in that stadium last night.
2: Devastating. When
1: he hopped on a cart. I feel for the Jet fans. I'm oh, not a Jet fan. I do band. too. I don't root for many New York teams, but...
2: And I don't root for Aaron Rodgers, no. but yeah. you don't want to see somebody go down like that. And it's not confirmed, but have you seen a photo of as he's going down, yes. and that calf muscle is like a size of a grapefruit. And they say when your Achilles is, it like ravels up into your calf. So, I mean, it's, ugh, it did not look good.
1: And how in the world did the Jets win that game last night with the emotions?
2: That's the most impressive. Losing Aaron. Yes.
1: Zach Wilson was okay at quarterback. They ran the ball well. And let's be honest, I think the Bills quarterback, Josh Allen, sort of handed the Jets the game with four turnovers, three interceptions, and a fumble lost. He did not play on an all-pro level. I am stunned the Jets won that game. It was 10-3 Bills. They had the ball after an interception. you think oh, they're going to put it away. Jets won the doggone game. It's absolutely (laughs) incredible. I just figured after that injury, you'd fall flat, lose focus. But credit to the team. That's a heck of a win.
2: It is a heck of a win. And it'll be interesting, though, to see also how they are able to pick up now and move forward, knowing that's your guy at quarterback. There's going to be so much just chatter and conversation and negativity. And they're going to try to rally but I mean, you've seen what the backup can do. I, I I don't buy in there, and I I think that's really tough. Now, granted, he has had some tutelage there for yeah. for a little bit, and and he definitely has made some improvements. But you're going from Aaron Rodgers to hmm. yeah.
1: Well, Garrett Wilson made him look good last summer that juggling touchdown catch, which Absolutely. tied the game in the fourth quarter. So I guess when you have an elite receiver who can make acrobatic catches, he can make the quarterback look a little better. But it's going to be really, really tough, and now the Jets are calling around. Supposedly, Carson Wentz is on the list.
2: Oh, that's interesting.
1: The agent of Colin Kaepernick has called the Jets today, <laughs> so if you're a veteran quarterback looking for a job, you probably have been contacted or have contacted the Jets yourself trying to find a new opportunity, which is going to be tough on the NFL is the fact that look how many primetime games the Jets have Oh my god! without gosh. Aaron Rodgers. I think the flexing will begin very, very quickly as people try to get out of that particular game. So, rough news, and if you're a Packer fan, you can't laugh a whole lot if you're kind of glad Aaron's gone and you wanted to see him fail. the Packers lost a first-round pick last night because if Rodgers played 65% of the snaps for the Jets this year, their second-round pick from the Jets becomes a first-round pick. Oh, So since he's not going to reach 65%, they oh. only get a second-round pick. So Packer fans, you can't be too excited if you were anti-Aaron Rodgers because your team lost a first-round pick.
2: Pour a little salt into the wound, right?
1: Unbelievable. And you wonder if Rodgers comes back. He'll go into the darkness. He'll figure it out. He'll come out with an answer. But you wonder he's 39 and yeah,
2: that's tough. That's really tough to come back from. I, I, I can't see that, but you never know. Yeah. I mean and if you did you watch hard Knocks at all? This? I did I, which uh, he was love him or hate him. He was really interesting and, and entertaining to watch. Uh, sometimes it was like, oh gosh,
1: they what made a... him very likable. The way I they say edited
2: I, I liked him any better but yes yeah. I know what you're saying it, yeah. they they definitely played up and uh, to their credit I mean they should that he is the face and he sure. is a major personality but I mean I thought he looks to me like he was preparing himself for a career as a coach I, I don't know I just I think he looks and he Walk the walk, talk the talk, the way he w- interacted with their with the backup. What's his name again? I f- Zach Wilson. Wilson, yeah. yes. W- when you work with Wilson and, and just, I don't know, I liked him with the headset on and, you know, you saw him on the sideline. Yeah. And I-, I think he could make for a good coach. Personality-wise, I think he's got it.
1: He would bring a lot of excitement back to the game if he was a coach. I'm not sure he would have the excitement of Deion Sanders right now. <laughs> but pretty incredible. But did you see the social media posts – about a bar in Wisconsin last yes. night.
2: Oh, I love that.
1: This is brutal. They decided <laughs> if the Jets lost that all drinks during the game would be on the house. But if you bought the drinks, or if you ordered drinks and the Jets won, you had to pay your bill. Well, when Rogers went down, apparently, people started ordering, <laughs> thinking this is a cinch. The Jets are gonna lose. And then the Jets returned that punt for a touchdown in overtime, (laughs) and then the look on those people's faces like, uh-oh, we're going to have have to pay that bill now. So, that bar, it looked like they were going to come out on the losing end of that. At the end of the day, they probably made more money than they ever could have expected. And
2: and they certainly got a lot of publicity out of it, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, they got (laughs) the money from the patrons, and they got a lot of good publicity along the way. So... Amazing the Jets won, but heartbreak hotel. Aaron Rodgers goes down with that Achilles injury. All right, now let's dig back into Notre Dame football. We have three topics to get the program going. Allison Hayes, Darren Pritchett with you on this Tuesday evening. And let's get started with our first of three opening questions. So the Irish took care of North Carolina State 45-24 on Saturday down in Raleigh, they overcame the weather delay and a slow start on offense to get the job done. So, Allison, what was the most important development, in your opinion, from that victory over North Carolina State?
2: Well, before I get into that, just a, just a quick thing to say. I think the fact that they were able to handle that weather delay the way that they did, again, speaks a lot of the way Marcus Freeman is managing this team. I mean, I don't know about you, but in in the moment of it happening, it was just like, oh, it just didn't have a good feel. It was like, oh, gosh, anything could happen. Not They're going to come out of this. They're going to be cold. Something crazy is going to happen. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> working out all these scenarios in sure. my head of how Notre Dame is going to lose this game now. And to see them come out the gate like that, I mean, it was – I was impressed that they were able to just – Handle that kind of adversity, that kind of like wondering and waiting and not knowing and idle time. Idle time is a killer, and so I was impressed by that. But um, the biggest thing that I took from that was finally got to see that defense against a real opponent. Mm -hmm. You and I have been talking all preseason, all season long. Brennan Armstrong was going to be this real deal quarterback quarterback dual threat, and this was an opportunity for Notre Dame's defense to really step up and show what it can do. Because playing, having relative shutouts against those Navy mm-hmm. and Tennessee State said nothing. It, it didn't tell us very much at all. So to see Notre Dame, they, they held them to 344 total yards of offense, but just 4.4 yards per play. And that's even skewed because there was like that long, that 65 yards they gained on that final drive in the sure. touchdown. So you kind of got to wash that. The game was already a, a put away at that point but I thought the way that Al Golden has been preparing the the way they were able to handle the trick plays the misdirections and and to see you know there were some penalties and things here and there but that you could nitpick some blitz things but just overall an outstanding game plan and it was the safety's best game so far of the season so I really especially love to see you know when the offense was struggling the defense really was able to kind of win the game for them.
1: I'm going to build on your comments because mine plays into what you established with your most important development from Saturday's game. I'm also going to go on the defensive side of the football. And I think those of us in the media, and I think a lot of Irish fans, went into this season knowing that the front four is probably not going to be able to put consistent pressure on the quarterback. Isaiah Foskey left here as the all-time sack leader in Notre Dame history, drafted by the New Orleans Saints. And now the defensive line, there's a lot of good parts that do things well, but they don't have that explosive pass rusher. And I think from the get-go in Saturday's game, Al Golden anticipating that that front four was not going to be able to put enough pressure on Brendan Armstrong. So... He dialed up the blitz packages we've been talking about all summer. Here's Marcus Freeman from Monday's press conference talking about pressure coming from the second level of linebackers. Heck, even a time we saw a linebacker and a safety come in on a blitz. So here's Marcus Freeman.
3: I think we have to, you know, and and again, I I have full confidence in our, our pass rush with four guys, but I think that's who we are is being able to keep offenses off balance by bringing second level linebackers, but also defensive backs in terms of the pressure package and being able to be, you know, multiple in our coverages behind it, you know, to, that, that all comes into factor. Our defense has done a really good job, you know, I, again, I, I'm disappointed in the last touchdown we gave up, just, I just didn't think we finished the game that, that series, the way our standard really has been set. but. Um, they will come. The sacks will come. Just continue to buy into what we're trying to do defensively because the results defensively is a big picture have been exactly what we wanted.
1: Well, Marcus said as he began those comments, he has confidence in the front four getting pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, maybe he has seen things in fall practice that leads him to believe that that will be the case. But the fact they came out blitzing right away kind of tells – They needed to figure out a way to get pressure on the quarterback, and that was with blitzing. When you got great corners, you can be more aggressive. So I think the most important development out of that game to build on what you said is the fact that Al Golden is not going to be bashful about putting pressure on the quarterback using blitzes. I know we had this debate yesterday in the program. They only have four sacks this year. They're getting hurries. They're causing havoc. The pressure helped create three interceptions in that ball game, and that total could have been five had Morrison and Gray been able to hold on to a couple of throws. Morrison almost had two in the ball game. So the fact Notre Dame is willing to pin their ears back and come after the quarterback with blitz packages, A, I'm very happy about that, and B, it gives the opposition a lot to think about knowing that Notre Dame is going to play very aggressive on the defensive side of the football. All right, let's move to our second question. Well,
2: I'd like to oh, pose this to you as well because sure. now I I feel like while we and I say the collective we like the local sure. beat people that were on this beat watching that game, I feel like based on what I was seeing on Twitter and talking with people, we were more critical of that performance all the way around maybe of, of against NC State. But then watching the national media, watching ESPN on Sunday at morning and, and their final drive—I I, that's my Sunday morning routine. I love it. Okay, and it kind of—you know—I have it on in the background like all morning long while I'm doing stuff for a couple hours usually. But anyways, it's nice because you can kind of pick and choose as you're watching mm-hmm. throughout the morning. But. There, those guys were like singing the praises of Notre Dame and how excellent that game was. And I just thought that was interesting because and that's because maybe they were taking it out of context. They were missing some of the miscues or the the pressure. I don't know what what it was, but why it felt like a lot of Notre Dame beat people were a little more critical, whereas the national media was singing the praises of how great of a performance it was.
1: Yeah, I wasn't overly critical about many things from that game. I looked at the game, I guess, differently than some of the other local media, and I haven't actually read a whole lot of what other people have written other than doing our live YouTube show with Tyler Horker from Blue and Gold Illustrated. We kind of felt the same way, that it was a really solid performance. There's a lot of criticism about offensive line pass protection, and there's no doubt that has to get better. But I think you look at the talent that they have, The scheme they have, I think that is going to get better as time goes on. This group is new together, yeah, and it's not going to happen right away. you got two offensive guards. We laid it out last week that NC State was going to attack those guards early and often, force them into tough decisions. They had some delayed blitzes that caught the guards off guard. So I guess my thinking is it's Game 3. The offensive line will continue to grow. It will get better. The running backs outside of Payne will get better in pass protection. So, I'm okay with what happened in the game. I'm okay with what happened defensively. I'm not happy with the penalties. That's the one thing. Ten penalties is not championship football.
2: Absolutely not. You're going to
1: get your tail beat by a really good team if you commit ten penalties. You hand the Buckeyes ten penalties in that first NC State drive where they basically were handed a touchdown by knucklehead penalties by the irish then that'll get you beat so it's not all perfect but i think with this team growing right now and you got sam hartman who can cover up a lot of ills they've got a great running game and they're stopping the run right now so if you can run it you can stop the run you got a great quarterback you've got a heck of a chance to be really really good
2: I agree with you. I I don't think it was a perfect performance by any means, but I think it was another building block, especially coming off of those first two games, and it's just another step in that development. I I think some of the offensive kind of the slow start maybe was more where the criticism lied early on in the game, but they, they were able to get it going there later in the second half.
1: Yeah, I think field position affected that second drive. They were Conservative, I think you could argue too conservative, but I think field position starting inside your own 20, if I'm not mistaken, had something to do with that. I think this is the part that's exciting. I'll take people's negative about the slow start and Trump by saying, in my opinion, I thought Jared Parker made quicker adjustments than Tommy Reese ever would have. Ooh. And that to me is extremely positive. And I love the play action game. Jared did a lot of things that I don't think we would have seen last year. So I just see a lot of things that are making me believe that this football team is getting closer to being complete. It wasn't going to be perfect on Saturday. It was definitely a step up in competition. But again, if you can run it, you got a star quarterback. You can stop the run. You got a chance to beat anybody in the country.
2: I'm gonna throw another curveball at you. Absolutely. (laughs) I
1: was good at hitting curveballs back in the day. Okay. Oh, I like that. I
2: like that. So how about looking at Tommy Reese's performance again at Fort Alabama in in their that loss? What were your thoughts there? I I mean we saw that I'm sure you've seen it on social media where he's like, oh, and he's rubbing his head. And we've seen all you know, like You thought
1: Drew Pine was his quarterback (laughs) for a (laughs) second. (laughs) Do your something job. Come on. I'll say this. And again, I watch all the Alabama games. I think it's very interesting that Tommy, I don't think I'm speaking out of line here, wants to be in the National Football League. Sure. I think that probably is his top priority over becoming a head coach at the college level. I could be wrong. I haven't talked to him. That's the perception. Going to Alabama, it's hard to argue that. To work for Nick Saban, it's a great opportunity. But if you're going to get to the NFL wouldn't it have been easier to stay at Notre Dame and work with Sam Hartman? Right. Rather than going to Alabama where it's not the same quarterback talent level or execution, but my point is you're going to Alabama and you're recreating your headaches from last year. Yes. You've got a quarterback mess right now at Alabama. Milroe is an electrifying athlete, great runner of the football. Tommy, I don't know why you did not. Use more planned runs with your quarterback. That's one argument I would say that Tommy didn't have his greatest day. But he doesn't have a throwing quarterback right now in Milrow. I don't think he sees the field. I just don't think he pulls the trigger on time. Now, Saban was talking up Tyler Buckner a little bit today, say he's growing, he's da 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 But Tommy stays with Sam Hartman and Notre Dame. He might have gotten to the NFL quicker than going to Alabama and dealing with not having a quarterback that you could say you can really rely on at this point. So I don't think Tommy was as awful as Alabama fans are saying on social media. I would have ran Milrow more in design running plays, but if the kid doesn't see the field and if he's not reading defenses, Tommy Reese can't hold his hand.
2: Exactly. I I do agree with you there. I think him going there was the right move at the time in the sense of like he had an opportunity to work with one of the greatest college football coaches ever, let's face yep. it. And so he has an opportunity to learn and grow. But yes, you you had you also had an opportunity to finally have a real quarterback at Notre Dame. And now you're in a position at Alabama where they are not going to be as forgiving as Notre <laughs> Dame fans have been. At, you know, I mean, he had some struggles here. He had some good moments. I think he showed some signs where I think he did the best that he could with kind of the talent that he had at times. And then he had some questionable play calling and things like that too. Whereas here, I think there's a little bit more of a pass. And, oh, well, he's young. Or, oh, well, Marcus Freeman's yeah. new. Oh, well, this. Oh, well, that. Alabama doesn't want to hear any of that. You came to Alabama, you're going to win a national championship this year, or you're fired. You know?
1: A good friend of mine who played offense at Notre Dame, and I throw ideas off of him quite often, has said in the past, the one thing about Tommy Reese, he was very slow in making adjustments. Yeah. I thought Parker adjusted quickly in the first half, and I think that delay probably helped a little bit. They came out with the, the offensive line. And they switched things up. They made it uneven, unbalanced, and Estime took off for the end zone because NC State did not fit it properly. So that adjustment kind of kick-started the offense. Without that Estime touchdown, who knows where the game goes. But that really changed the complexion of the game. Absolutely. So that was a good move by the coaching staff. They went to that unbalanced line. NC State didn't fit it properly. They weren't ready. 80-yard touchdown, 10-0, and you started to feel – a whole lot better at that point. But, yeah, at least Tommy can say it's not his fault this time and the quarterback he's working with.
2: So I did not see. Did Saban say that they're considering Tyler Buckner being the starter then? Or just no, was he, he just asked about it? He was it? asked about yeah. Buckner's progress. Okay. And he was
1: very positive sure. about that. And I think Alabama fans and media will say what we said about Tyler Buckner a lot. You know, Tyler Buckner is good. <laughs>
2: but... but
1: And there was always a but. Mm -hmm. We'll see if he gets a chance soon. They've got a a non-conference road game. The first time they've done that in years. I can't remember if it's, is it Central Florida or South Florida? I think it's Central Florida. I'll have to double check. But, yeah, well, Tommy's the highest paid coordinator in the country in college football. So, that makes it a whole lot easier, I guess, (laughs) to lose to Texas. (laughs) All right. Here's another question for you. One of the reactions from Irish fans that I've received after the NC State game should Notre Dame look to go with more tempo on offense, like the work they do with the two-minute drill with Sam Hartman at the helm? Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman was asked about if the two-minute drill offense could be used more.
3: We definitely have tempo in our offensive system. Um, you know, haven't used it much. It's it's a varying ways of using tempo. I don't want to be a team that goes as mock speed and and runs 100 plays a game Um, because I I believe in a complimentary football. I believe the ability to establish the run game and different things like that. But um, we have different ways of running. You can huddle and and run tempo out of a huddle. You know, there's just different ways to run tempo. Um, But we do have the ability to be a fast up-tempo team if we want to right now. Just that hasn't been in the game plan.
1: Okay. Hasn't been in the game plan. So Allison, yay or nay to going with more of a two minute package in other portions of the game.
2: Uh, I'm torn on that because I feel like they are being successful with it probably because they're not using it too often. It's I don't know if they're catching the defense off guard, but it's like if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's working for them in the way they're using it right now. I love what he said about establishing the run and playing complementary football. It, this is all coming together for them because of the way they're they're calling these games, and it does allow Sam though. And he's setting it up that way, right? He's using those timeouts that way in order to give Sam the ball and have a two minute drill concept or aspect to, to the game. So I like the way they're doing it right now. And I think it's working for them the way they're doing it right now. And I, I wouldn't want to see them mess up, mess around with that too much.
1: I like to use tempo when your offense is sluggish and you're looking to kickstart the offense going with right like a two minute drill in the middle of the game. I think that is a great idea. Otherwise, I don't know if it's a great fit for Notre Dame. One of the great advantages Notre Dame's offense has right now, in my opinion, is using all the different personnel groupings. Absolutely. And if you want to use all those different groupings, then going tempo doesn't make sense because let's just picture what's going to happen. You run a play, you switch your personnel – Well, the umpire or the referee comes in and holds the quarterback from snapping the football because the defense has the right to change personnel. So you're actually slowing down your tempo by trying to go fast if you want to change personnel. Now, if you go with the same personnel the whole time, yeah, you can do it. But I think that's one of the things that's worked well for Notre Dame is taking this running back or this tight end and using their strength in a play. And I don't know if you can necessarily do that. Really, I don't think you can if you're trying to go with that two-minute drill with eight minutes to go in the second quarter. Use the advantage you have right now. Plus, if it ain't broke, I don't fix it. 47 points per game right now is pretty doggone good. So (laughs) I'm just not tweaking it yet. If I'm averaging 27 a game, I think everything's on the table. Right. All right. Final question here. We've got a two-parter. First Mm -hmm. off, what Notre Dame offensive player has surprised you the most so far this year?
2: I don't know if I would say totally surprised by it, but I just, I'm loving the way he's playing. Jaden Thomas. So he didn't have a great numbers game by any stretch of the imagination against NC State. I believe zero catches. Mm -hmm. But his play, especially if you look at that 80-yard touchdown run by Estime, Take a look at Jaden Thomas and what he's doing. He's downfield. He is one-on-one with a defender, and he manhandles him to the point that Estime is able to break free and run away and and keeping that defender controlled just long enough that Estime is able to get into the end zone. And I think those kind of plays really – A lot of the unselfishness, not by just him, but by all of these guys who are sharing all of these reps and sharing the catches, uh, that's been what I'm most surprised about is really the wide receiver core as a whole and and how well they're playing as a team, as a unit. But I do really like Jaden Thomas and just that ability to be productive on the field without having a catch.
1: It's interesting on social media today, there was an analytics On the Estime run, he got up to 21 mile per hour. Wow. Marvin Harrison Jr., the great wide receiver for Ohio State, he had a sprint to the end zone. He was 22 mile an hour. You look at the body types. You couldn't have imagined Estime would be that close to Marvin Harrison. They are
2: totally different physically. Yeah. Body for body. That's Wow, that's awesome. That's really impressive.
1: The Notre Dame offensive player that surprised me, this is more of a Debbie Downer answer, but I'm going to say (laughs) – Tobias Merriweather, Irish fans have, not everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but so many have built him up to be the guy. They won him on the field last year. He was going to be the guy this year. No catches against Navy, two catches for five yards against Tennessee State, one for 45 against NC State. So through three games against two inferior opponents, three catches for 50 yards. Is it chemistry with a quarterback? Is it route running, which I don't think is the case? For whatever reason, Tobias has not been targeted very often, Now he had a couple of opportunities to make a catch against Navy and didn't, to be fair. So I guess I'm a little surprised with all the other receivers getting some catches outside of Thomas having none against NC State, which was strange, but Merriweather three catches for 50 so far, I thought he would be further along than that.
2: Totally agree with you. And when, I, when you posed this question, I was thinking in a positive way, not really in a negative, but yes. And I was thinking in my mind that I, I totally agree with Tobias. I, I even said last week, I thought that he was going to have this breakout performance against Tennessee State because he didn't play well against Navy. So I, it's like you're just kind of waiting and waiting for yeah. him to have his moment. When's he going to have his moment? And here we're still waiting. So I like you said, is it the chemistry is it he's just not handling all of the other guys getting all of these touches. But it's like if you're getting your opportunity, you have to take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, to be fair to Tobias, not many snaps so far in his career. These three games and limited last year, so there's still sure. plenty of time to figure it out. But thought there might be a little more production there.
2: He could get left behind when you have yeah. this much talent surrounding you.
1: Gotta be careful. I'll be Debbie Downer on the next one, too. So maybe okay. you'll, you'll bring... Be- The positive one. Okay. Now, (laughs) defensive player that surprised you the most
2: mirrors Lee a foul and it, again not necessarily because I didn't think he had it in him but maybe because after he had the injury in 21 and then I was more expecting him I think to have this big season last year and it, he played okay he played mm-hmm. well but nothing spectacular right. and to see what he was, he has done so far this season he's tied for second on the team with 15 total tackles he's got one tackle for loss two quarterback hurries and a forced fumble and he was outstanding against NC State just watching him all All game long, he attacked the run game. He was reading and adjusting to the misdirections, especially early on. I felt like they were almost like testing him, and he was responding to that. He was blitzing. He just he played all season long. He's been really disciplined, and he's just been really disruptive. So he's been fun to watch, and and a guy that I'm just excited to kind of see him get his shot and run with it.
1: Defensive coordinator Al Golden a couple of weeks ago mentioned that Leah Fowle was not all the way over that broken ankle last year, but he saw a different Leah Fowle this offseason. And sure enough, he's back to his old self. He is flying all over the field, and he's hard to miss with the hair yes. coming out from <laughs> under the helmet, that's for sure. The defensive player that surprised me the most so far this year is Jordan Patello. I don't remember him playing against NC State, and I know that's not a fair comment, but I never thought he'd be Isaiah Foskey He was the hope to put pressure on the quarterback. Three games in, four solos, two assists, six tackles. He has one sack so far on the season. I'd like to see a little more productivity out of that defensive end spot. And, hey, this is the first time of him being a full-time starter. But he's a veteran guy. And I'm hoping that the production starts to pick up. We talked about blitzing was successful against NC State. That's great. You know, teams can counter pressure by making big plays, so you'd love that front four to get some pressure by themselves. And if it's going to happen, you'd have to think Botello is one of the leading candidates to be that. So far, I just think a little quiet. A little quiet Yeah, so
2: far. and the numbers that you rattled off were primarily against Tennessee State, which is not a quality opponent. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. so plenty of time to go for Jordan and hopefully he is very active against Central Michigan. This Saturday when the two teams kick off at 2:30 and Allison of course hosts the pregame show on ABC 57. 10 a.m. start on Saturday?
2: Oh, yeah. 10 a.m. to noon. And uh, we've got the great Derek Mays joining nice. us live this week. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I've only had the chance to talk to him via Zoom, I think, during the COVID year. So uh, this will be our very first time having him on set with us live. So that's awesome. And um, I'm one of the stories I'm working on this week is uh, all kind of focused on the nutrition emphasis that the team has taken this year. And for everything from, you know, which I thought this was interesting. She... Alexa Appleman, this is who is sort of in charge of that program. She said that there's different diets or, or whatever programs that they, they implement for players based on whether they are just currently in season, whether mm-hmm. they're returning from injury, whether they already are injured. And I just thought that was interesting on the way that they feed them and the foods that they're having them eat, the amount of calories. And it's all tweaked and catered specifically to each individual player's needs. That's Incredible. fascinating.
1: Incredible. I've got a follow-up question to that, but I gotta go to break. Okay. So I'll ask you on the other side since you used to be a sideline reporter. Yes. So I've got a question for you. We'll do that coming up in a couple of moments. We'll hand out some grades for Notre Dame as they are one fourth of the way already through their regular season schedule. Allison Hayes, Darren Pritchett with you, Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT.
0: Notre Dame football coverage continues now.
1: Gives to Estimate. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown Notre Dame.
0: Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Low snap, hands off inside to Estimate. 10 5. He'll get there. Touchdown Notre Dame. Budweiser's Weekday beat continues at 546 along with ABC 57's Allison Hayes. I'm Darren Pritchett. Great to have you on board on this Tuesday evening. Well, believe it or not, we are one-fourth of the way through the Fighting Irish regular season. They are 3-0, so let's hand out some grades like we're teachers in elementary school and to give some early thoughts on the progress Of this fighting Irish football team So we'll start on the offensive side of the football Well, pretty good place to start Is quarterback Sam Hartman
2: Uh, How do you not give him an A? Yeah, Absolutely
1: (laughs) Don't need to say anything else (laughs) Exactly, everyone else agrees How about the running back room? I feel like we have to grade them all as one
2: I also give that whole room an A. I mean, obviously, Audrick's leading the way with 345 total yards of offense, but, I mean, the the room as a whole is contributing. When they give the ball to one of the other running backs, they're making things happen.
1: Yeah, they are doing exactly what we thought. I'd like to see Estime love price, but I know that Payne also provides some things. They went out of the running back position, including good pass protection. But those first big three are explosive, so no doubt an A for them. This might be a complicated one, the wide receiving core.
2: Well, why do you think it's complicated?
1: Because there's good, there's average, there's potential. I think it's hard to grade because Sam does a great job of distributing the football all over the place. So everybody's getting opportunities, so... It's hard for anyone to build a big stat line. But also, you gave a prime example of little things that are big things. Jaden Thomas blocking down the field, helping Estime go 80 yards for a touchdown. That has to be a part of the conversation.
2: Absolutely. I give the the wide receivers an A as well. I, I just think, it again, they are... They're spreading it out so much. There's so many guys getting touches. And for the most part, other than we were talking about Tobias Merriweather being disappointing, for the most part, the other guys are taking advantage of those touches. And and I'm, I've been impressed with that so far, and that they've had the ability to continue to pass it to so many different receivers as well. You would think at some point, same with the running back room, it's going to start narrowing down as the season goes. But I mean, hey, if you've got that many guys... Passing it around.
1: <laughs> I'm kind of a B right now. I okay. feel like there's another level, a little more consistency. I just don't know how a guy like Thomas gets held off the reception board against NC State, but it's Sam Hartman moving the ball all over the place. I'm excited about Tyree. I'm still excited about Thomas. Merryweather. Hopefully he can continue to progress. And how can we not be excited about Great House? Right. I think he's been targeted eight times, eight catches.
2: Right. All Fantastic. He can do.
1: When they throw it to you, catch it, and he is doing that. How about the Irish offensive line?
2: That's where they've got some moments of greatness. Obviously, they're establishing the run game with no no problem whatsoever. Um, They're opening those holes, but they're also allowing a lot of pressure. We talked on that earlier in in the show. Just the pressure that's getting put onto Sam Hartman, and as you continue throughout the season and you're playing the tougher competition, you're playing against Ohio State's defensive line, you can't give up that much pressure. Four sacks so far, and and you don't want your quarterback, especially a guy like Sam, getting beat around. And so yeah. I'd like to see them improve, but I maybe even a B plus in there. But it just I, I yet to be determined still. I'd like more work needs to be done.
1: I'm gonna give them a B right now yeah. because if I give a C, that's average. Yeah. And they're better than For average sure. when it comes to 130 FBS schools. So they are better than that. I think as we continue to get more snaps for the guards, more repetitions, handling blitzes are going to come better. So I feel like this is going to be okay. Run blocking has been really good. I love the way Parker and Rudolph and the staff, they are pulling the guards. They're getting them to the outside using their athleticism, and I love the way they're using the running game right now. So offensive line, I'll give them a B. What about offensive coordinator Jared Parker?
2: Well I think you just nailed it right there talking about Jared. I I would give him an A and I think a lot of that also has to do with having a great A quarterback, a great A running backs room and a great A a wide receivers room that definitely helps your cause but I, I like the way that he's having those in game adjustments that you touched on earlier in the show as well where he's he's adjusting faster and he's putting his players in position to do what they are doing best and so I think they're helping to make him look good, but he's doing a good job of calling the right plays to allow them to make him look good.
1: Adjustments. He is using the middle of the field. He's using play action. A, A, A for Coach Parker. Love what he's done so far. Now to the defense. How about the pass rush?
2: You said I could use an I for incomplete because I still need to figure it out. So I'm going to give the pass rush an I. They have the four sacks, but... We know they're having to do some adjustments because of that front four. I'd like to see some more production out of them and just, I don't know, more pressure. So the jury's still out. They have a lot to prove, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I have a C- written down. When they blitz, they're getting to the quarterback, but the front is not consistently getting there. So when I look at across the country, again, C is average. You know, they're doing a good job stopping the run, so we can't forget that. But the pass rush is our topic, so I just feel like that's a tad bit below average. But when they blitz, that's when good things seem to happen. Just in general, defensive line play.
2: I'm going to give them a B plus, and that's because... That pass rush is kind of bringing them down, <laughs> yep. but I think overall, uh, and they've been given up some some chunk plays early, but against NC State, uh, they played really stout against the run. They were gap correct, relatively disruptive. Guys like Howard Cross and Riley Mills have played really well. So um, overall, B plus, and and I think as if that pass rush continues to improve, we're going to see the overall D line play continues to improve as well.
1: Yeah, I'm going with a B for the defensive line because I think their ability to stop the run is kind of offsetting the pass rushing issues. I think Howard Cross is playing terrific football, interior defensive lineman. He was all around the football against NC State. Our next grade for the Irish through three games, the secondary.
2: That's also kind of an incomplete for me because they haven't been great in those first couple of games, but they played lights out against NC State when they absolutely needed to. And like I said earlier, the safeties played the best game of the season. And so uh, I I like what they're doing. The five interceptions so far, there could be more, um, as we talked about. So I'm giving them an I, but if I had to give them a letter grade, I mean, I think the NC State is bringing up that overall average. I'd probably put them in the B-minus range.
1: Okay, I've got a a B-plus for the secondary, Um, I think. you got a lot of different bodies and new roles. They're coming together as a unit. The Navy game is always a tough game for the secondary. Tennessee State isn't much of a matchup talent-wise. You know, they came up with some big plays. I don't like some of the penalties, but the interceptions were very important in that game. So I'm going to be thinking prosperous things about the secondary. I'll go B+. Three more to go. How about the linebackers?
2: I'm pretty satisfied with that play as well. I, I think uh, the the veterans that you have there uh, are playing well, and I'm going to give them a B plus.
1: I'll give them a B-plus and the linebacker an A-plus for always doing great work on game day.
2: All right. (laughs) Defensive
1: coordinator Al Golden.
2: I'm giving him an A. I I think overall – we're seeing that improvement as well. So, and, and the game plan that he's come up with against Navy I thought was really fought out, and they did well against them. They were prepared. And then, again, to see them against NC State, I just think they handled all those trick plays, the misdirections, all of the things they were getting thrown at them. And I just think that overall Al is really preparing his team, and they are playing discipline, yep. and that is really important. Now, the penalties, got to get that cleaned up.
1: Going to give him an A just because of that Navy game. The second and third units knew exactly their assignments. Not an easy game. Was fantastic. Was creative against NC State against a very good quarterback. Not sure he's great, but a dual threat, which can always give you headaches. Job well done. And we'll wrap things up with the guy in the big chair, Marcus Freeman.
2: Well, how do you not give your head coach an A if you've given the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator an A? So I'm giving Marcus an
1: A. A plus so far for me. Absolutely. I love he's coming into his zone as a head coach. His voice is coming out. He is so much more comfortable sitting in that chair. I am really excited and I hope it's still an A plus after the Ohio State game. (laughs) That would be really, really good. Really cool. All right, 556. We'll come back with our Twitter question of the day next
0: on Sports Radio. You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett.
1: My co host is ABC 57's Allison Hayes. So. You used to be a sideline reporter for the Big Ten Network, so you would gather information and you would go on the air during the game with reports. So during the weather delay of Notre Dame-NC State, Molly McGrath of ABC, who is terrific, by the way, came across with the story that Notre Dame personnel had to go to concession stands to get hot dogs and brats to feed the team. Now, I think Notre Dame has tried to squash... That story a little bit because it looks kind of like you weren't prepared, but I travel with the hockey team. They are prepared for anything. But we got to remember, there was a flash flood warning and people were asked not to travel. So I don't think it was going to be possible to get food in from a restaurant to the team. So I don't see any reason why Molly would fib on that story. She had the story and she went with it, right?
2: Yeah, and Coach Freeman kind of tried to play that down, but we there's a video of Audrick Estime admitting, oh yeah, I had a hot dog. I just had one. I didn't want it to be too heavy, but he said, it was tasty. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I thought that it. was
2: a great nugget that she had and, and that's exactly what a sideline reporter is supposed to do. She killed it, I thought. Yeah. and Also, the nugget about the journal that Audrick keeps oh, and, yeah. he, and he writes down so that they come to to fruition and and then he had that 80 yard touchdown run he said he wrote in there that he wanted a 60 yard or more run or play and then to have that 80 yard or so I thought she did a fantastic job It's gonna
1: to be tough to top that in the journal what's he gonna write down this <laughs> yeah what do you put next 81 yards or more this year <laughs> holy cow unbelievable all right so Molly that was great reporting and I thought it was a fun story and I think it is true and you know what there's nothing wrong with that you gotta do what you gotta do because
2: exactly. And it worked.
1: Yeah, well, the home team has all of their stuff ready for them. When you're on the road, I mean, it's not like a hockey team with twenty some guys. You got seventy-five plus to worry about, plus all the staff members to feed on a situation like that. So you gotta do what you gotta do.
2: And you didn't know how long at that point you were Mm-mm. going to be in no. there. No. It could have been three hours. I mean, they were even saying it could go as late as what, ten thirty at night yeah. or something. So you had to keep them. F- Healthy and happy and, and occupied.
1: That's right. You don't want them hangry going <laughs> on the field. That might lead to some bad penalties. All right, 604.
0: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: On Monday, we asked you who gets the ultimate game ball from the Notre Dame 45 24 win over North Carolina State. Before I give the results, Allison, here are the choices. Sam Hartman, Audric Estime, Holden stays, Notre Dame secondary. Which direction would you go?
2: Well, they all played well, yes. but I would 1,000% give it to the Notre Dame secondary. They really won that game for them, put it away, and uh, allowed the offense to get the ball back, and then the offense took advantage, but when they needed them to, that secondary was there, DJ Brown, uh, yeah. just awesome, lights out.
1: Well, everybody's bored with Sam Hartman. He got 10% of the vote. (laughs) Ho-hum. Yeah, Yeah, who's this guy? All right. Third place in the voting, 23% went with the hot dog guy, Audric Estime. (laughs) The tight end Holden Stays, who led the team in targets, receptions, yards, and receiving touchdowns. Stays got 25% of the vote. And Allison in the majority, the Notre Dame secondary, got 42% of the boat at three interception day for that crew now for today we ask you this question when you take a look at the notre dame football team what do you believe needs to take the biggest step forward in their play i'm offering three choices offensive line wide receivers pass rush
2: Hmm.
3: so
1: allison you get to cast your vote
2: We've talked quite a bit about both that pass Mm -hmm. rush and the O-line today. If I'm choosing one, I think I'm going with the offensive line because You have to keep your quarterback protected. If Sam Hartman is getting sacked multiple times a game, you are increasing the risk of him getting injured. If Sam Hartman goes down, this season goes down. It's a sinking ship. I mean, hey, Angeli might be able to hang in there and be okay and be a good quarterback, but he's not Sam Hartman yet, and you got to keep him protected. So I'm going with that O-line.
1: Okay, we will find out on tomorrow's program how everyone voted. And you can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. All right. Once again, Allison will have ABC 57 kickoff. Starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday, where are you located on campus?
2: We are right outside of Purcell Pavilion. We're right outside of Gate Eight, so we're right on okay. campus. If you're out and about tailgating, come by and say hello, and we might put you on TV. You might be yeah. there when we have one of our former players that's going to join us. We have Evan Sharpley, quarterback, and Derek May is, of course, going to be there, and you can see them, take pictures, get autographs, all that good stuff.
1: If you meet Evan Sharpley. I don't know what else you want. <laughs> I mean, that's free. That should be. Costing you $50. bucks. they are lined least. up
2: around the at corner least. for Evan.
1: That's right. Allison, <laughs> good to be with you. Have a great pregame show on Saturday, and we will talk to you next Tuesday. Thanks for
2: having me. I'll see you next week.
1: You bet. That's ABC 57's Allison Hayes. I'm Darren Pritchett. Still to come, Mike Singer, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Talks Notre Dame football recruiting, including he has put in a projection that the Irish have a 2015 quarterback. Details on the way. Here on WSBT.
0: Are you a business owner worried about the safety of your sensitive data? Look no further than Midwest Data Depot, your local off-site backup storage solution. Contact us today. Call 574-855-8588.